This is Structure, the podcast. I'm Sam Ward. And I'm Michelle Rose. We talk to the designers and minds behind the most creative products in the outdoor industry. This week on Structure, we talk with Leanna DeLuca Johnson, an industrial designer who built her career designing technical packs and bags. She's designed for Camelback, the North Face, and is now running her own design studio. Welcome to the Structure Podcast. Great to have you. Thank you. Start off by just telling us a little bit about how you got into design in the first place. Well, um, currently I'm the head designer, principal of DeLuca J Design, my own uh, consulting company. And I am a equipment and bag soft goods designer. I designed uh, sporting equipment for the North Face and Camelback. And I also worked for uh, various design consultancies and uh, Pottery Barn Kits. Very good. Well, how did you get into design? I mean, we'll talk about some of your schooling and and that sort of stuff further, but you're a designer. What drew you to doing design? I I was actually one of those people growing up who had no idea what industrial design was. I took it for granted, unfortunately. Um, I knew a I knew about fashion designers and architects and what they did. I never thought that I would be uh, strived to go after that, though. Um, I was a good student in high school. I always loved art all along the way growing up. I drew and I loved to draw horses and just draw everywhere I went. From there, I just was just was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a doctor and uh, maybe that's what I should be doing. And so after high school, I uh, decided to go to, to try to get into UC Davis and uh, become an orthopedic surgeon. I got into UC Davis as a biosci major, biological sciences. Huh. And so wow. I was totally worlds away from from design and, and art. I just always took art classes and it was a hobby. So what happened at UC Davis once you got there? I assume you started down that path. Totally started down that path. And then I had a huge uh, awakening because I learned the hard way that college was a lot harder than high school. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I just got, I was starting to get bad grades. I wasn't liking my classes. I started to get really, uh, I don't want to call it depressed because I wasn't really depressed, but I was just not happy. And, um, I decided as a break to take a drawing class in the art department. And the other students were were just, what are you doing here? Where did you come from? And uh, I was, when I told them I was a bioci major, they were just like, what? <laughs> what? Why are you a bioci major? You, you know, you draw so well, you, you should be in art. And I said, well, I'm sorry, no offense, but I don't want to be a starving artist. <laughs> And then they told me about, what about design? And I was like, what's design? And then they were telling me that it was a mixture of art and business and that I should explore and take a class that we had a design department at UC Davis. And I I was intrigued. And so after I took my first design class, I was literally, I felt it. The skies parted and it was like love. That was it. Was that uh, just like general design, like color and... Form and shape, right? General design. Um, They had lots of different classes. They had graphic design, furniture design, textile design, exhibit design, um, Mm -hmm. perspective class. You know, different classes like that. And uh, I met this furniture design instructor uh, as I was taking that class uh, from him, and he showed me a catalog from Art Center 
And that's when I was flipping through that catalog, then I discovered industrial design and the design of, you know, forms and different products. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's what I need to be doing. Uh, I just fell in love with it immediately. So did you, you transfer to Art Center then? Uh, no, I didn't transfer into Art Center. I decided to change my major uh-huh. and major in uh, design and business. And I thought that would give me a good, um, solid base. Uh, and then after graduating, that's when I set my sights on Art Center. Yeah, I mean, it's such a renowned school. What was your experience like there? Oh, Art Center was just amazing. You know, you th- I thought I drew well, but it was just like, wow. I was competitive, you know, in sports. And so it was, it was fun to kind of compete at a higher level and everybody uh, made each other better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and also learning uh, what true craftsmanship was and attention to detail and just you know, looking at the way the professors saw that what your expectation was supposed to be, what level you were supposed to be at. What types of things were you drawn to there? Like, what uh, was there a specific design program you were in and, and uh, what pieces of that did you love the most? So when you go there, you basically, it's, you can't really take exploratory. You're, you're going there to for a certain major. So I, in the beginning, I was already uh, going after industrial design. So I started their um, ID program. What made you choose the industrial design program? Uh, I had aspired to that when I saw the catalog at Davis. I just, I fell in love with the the design of products. I really liked the three-dimensionality of industrial design. What kind of foundation do you think that going to the art center gave you? And, you know, how did that prepare you for the work that you're doing now? They always push you to be better than you are. And... They see your skill level and they just push it, push the level even higher. Like have you present, we do spot, we did sponsored projects. Um, We worked uh, in teams. I I was able to work in a multidisciplinary team with, for example, for Samsung, those types of projects and opportunities just really allow you to gain experience early and get, get kind of those scary experiences out of the way so that you just become more professional when you're out in the, in the field. And that preparation for working, like you said, across disciplines with multiple people, um, and then being able to apply that into jobs where you, uh, you may or may not get that opportunity, but can push across those boundaries into other uh, departments is really valuable. Yeah. And they also put a very high, um, importance on presentation. Uh, For example, I remember in one of the first, first classes that I had, we had a model making class and just his, uh, his standard was basically the thing has to be perfect. And so we, we stayed, I mean, we would stay up all night sanding and painting it and, and just getting this thing perfect that, which we thought was perfect to, to get a good grade. And when he would just look at and evaluate it and find oh, this has a dust speck here and this has this here. We're like, oh, well, but that's not that big of a deal. You know, look at the overall thing and the overall object. And he he said, well, would you buy a new car with a door ding or um, I still remember this. And and I said, no, actually, I wouldn't. He's like, well, I don't want my model with any dings or flaws. Right. That attention to detail is just so critical. Being an industrial design, it has a tendency to be a male dominated field. Having jumped into industrial design, 
What were your experiences in school as a, as a female? What did you notice? Did you notice any differences? Was Definitely. Different? You noticed it. You noticed it immediately as soon as you enter into the program. As, as There was probably 15 students that started with me, myself and two other women. Mm. So the percentages were really low uh, when I went. And I know they're getting higher, but I still ask um, some people that are, are going to the school now, I ask about those percentages or how many people were in your class, how many women were in your class. And they still say it was majority men and uh, minority women. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would think that the women would 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 kind of group together and, and empower each other. But that's not the that's for me, that wasn't the experience that I that I had. It was more about competing even more against each other. Wow. Which I had, which I was disappointed with, because I had already attended a college and I was there for a specific reason. Um, but a lot of them just kind of just wanted to be the best woman, I guess. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, that's. I mean, I hear people say that. That, and I think I've experienced that as well, where there are fewer women in a in a particular field, and they don't band together. It's like there's some other thing going on there. Why do you think that is? I think it's, it's a lack of uh, believing in yourself and like maturity. I think it's a little bit has to do with maturity. Like Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't into the competing with the women. I was just trying to do the best that I could for myself. And some people were just competing, competing, competing. Like they took it to another level. Um, But the women, um, I think it's I think it's a matter of believing believing in yourself and having that maturity to not have to worry about like believing in who you were. Well, and I often wonder men are seem to be uh, raised uh, in generally in general to be competitive, and they seem to be a lot more comfortable with that competition all of their lives. Whereas women are often, um, are, are, our nature is nurturing and we're taught to be nurturing. And I just wonder if there's something in that piece where there's just not, not that comfort with, with um, I, friendly I, competition. Yeah, I think, I think maybe that's where you hit again. Maybe that's, that's where I was more comfortable with it because of the sports mm-hmm. background. Yes. And so having a, being a competitive athletic woman, I think maybe that made me just why are we competing about this? This is not, you know, we're not trying to win something. This is just more about being confident in your abilities. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And, and it's not really about um, women's abilities in, in industrial design specifically, correct? Like, you're not seeing that the uh, the numbers are lower in the programs and the schools because women just don't have what it takes or Definitely even the interest. Not. Definitely not. I think it has to do a little bit with um, the math por- portion. The, the it's the same thing with you know trying to get more women in math and engineering. Right. It's it's a it's a three dimensional thinking. It's it's I was I was kind of always into math and engineering and and my, my dad I, when my dad was in the garage mm-hmm. I was the one that would go over there and try to so what are you doing and what's that and. Which tool do you need? And pass on the wrench. Can I help you fix the VCR? You know that type of thing. (laughs) So it was it was kind of part part of part of my problem solving interest. 
Um, but I think I think there's you know there's actually working now. I, I am surprised that there's two women. I, I, one of my clients is Camelback, and I there's two women, young women, working as industrial designers that got hired there. So they're really uh, it's special for me to help mentor them as women in the industrial design field. Absolutely, and they need people like you. As you finished your degree at Art Center, did you have a sense for you know, how you wanted to put your degree into practice, like what kind of work you wanted to specialize in or focus on? So in the end of my career at Art Center, I started to gain more interest in soft goods. My senior thesis was a dress that had a bag attached to the center. Some of those drawings were intriguing to me. From there, I was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting thing. And maybe I can make something with my sports background. So I, I was interested in athletic companies like Nike and Adidas, companies like that. So that's what I was aspiring for when I left. When you did land your first jobs, I mean, you know, looking at your background, there was quite a few things that you were doing there, like, you know, a little bit with Lego and, and then also, um, was it RKS? RKS was a design studio. Uh, he, uh, Robbie is the founder there and he actually was part of the sponsored projects for, uh, Samsung. And he, at the time we're encouraged at art center, we were encouraged to do internships. I selected, uh, RKS just because I, I thought I would be doing more of a variety of products. And it sounds like it was a variety of products. Can you talk about some of the things you initially started to work on there? Yeah, sure. I mean, we did speakers. We did uh, vending machines. I did, uh, oh, one, of the, one was a, uh, a security camera monitor, like it, integrated into like a lamppost. A lamppost. <laughs> So it was kind of like, what am I designing here? <laughs> but uh, what else I worked on? I um, had like a mini refrigerator. There was a, there was a wide variety. Yeah. Well, that must have been great, you know, coming right out of school to have the opportunity to work on such a wide variety of products. You probably got exposed to, you know, a lot of different materials, a lot of different processes, a lot of different, you know, use cases for those for those kinds of things. Do you think that was helpful for where you were at that time? I definitely think it was helpful. I interned there. And then after I graduated, I got married and I moved away from Pasadena, the Los Angeles area. I moved to uh, Alameda because uh, that's where my husband was. And from there, RKS contacted me because they had a big client, which was Coca-Cola, and they were designing a vending machine. And I guess Coca-Cola had told them, what, what's, what is this? You don't even have one woman on your team as designers and they called me and said hey do you want to freelance for us you know why don't you come down and help us out on this project and I said sure and so I had flown down there and helped them for several weeks and he offered me a job but I didn't want to move back and my husband was over here and so I was just still hunting after that but I thought that was interesting that even your clients yeah. were seeking that at that time as well yeah well kudos to them for for noticing that and, and mentioning that. Yeah, and calling it out. Yeah, exactly. They called it, totally called it out. They said, you know, we have a, a bunch of female consumers and you're not giving us that perspective. That's great. Well, and, and you know, tell us a little bit about working with Camelback. I mean, you can bridge a little bit to, to then how you got over there. Yeah. Bad so company. 
let's see, from Arcast freelancing, I, you know, interviewed at several places and I got my foot in the door at Pottery Barn Kids because I was basically just hunting for a job. And at the time I would had I was like the second runner up for a bunch of jobs in the Midwest and just all over the place. It was kind of a crazy time. And I decided to take that job because I would get my foot in the door. And I was a young, it was basically, I I kept not getting the jobs because I didn't have as much experience as the prior candidate, which got pretty frustrating after a while. And so I just said, okay, well, I just need to get some experience then. And so I got my foot in the door at Pottery Barn Kids and I was working there in color and the color, I was helping to create a color department um, for quality and for evaluating color standards and palettes and things like that. It's great experience. Which was cool. It's just great experience. I still utilize it a lot today. Um, but it was kind of, I, you know, I was still yearning to design. And so it wasn't really the right path for me after a while. My colleagues there, she told me about a camelback looking for an entry-level designer and... That's when I had applied there and uh, got the job. Why do you think you got that job? So they liked the, my variety of experience that I had had with RKS designing a vast array of different projects, as well as I had created my own uh, projects to show them that I could do backpacks and soft goods and design that way. And then they also actually really liked my color experience and my background in there. So I, they, I could offer a bunch of help in many different aspects. You had the full package. Right, right. And then were how many other were there other women on the the bag teams there at Camelback when you started? No, the only other woman was uh, she was a developer, and mm-hmm. uh, the rest was were all men. They had a big R D and D team. We grew to four designers total, all men. I was the only woman designer. Well, what was that like for you? Uh, it was it was interesting just traveling sometimes with just men, you know, but I was I, I began, you know, I was I was, again, an athletic woman. So they I could kind of hang with the guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I caught, would catch them on like talk that I was just like, that's not cool to talk like that in front of a woman. You know, I'd have to kind of kind of teach them a few things. Well, and what do you think that that did for their product having you there? You know, because there's two things. There's there, there's your cultural experience there, which is one thing. You know, and you're already in a male dominated you know field in industrial design, but then doing outdoor and packs and whatnot. That's another male dominated field. Um, but then, what did you feel like you brought uh, besides the obvious? You know, being a woman, but um, what did you do for them? It was it was cool because I was outspoken and I I was able to ex- express my opinion on on the way they would it's just a totally different perspective mm-hmm. um, on color on fabrics on on some of the theories they had on fit and right uh, it, it was it was pretty great to be that that uh, spokesperson and you know kind of like battling no women don't want that women don't want it all pink and I oh my gosh I was battling for. <laughs> I remember now battling for not for them not to do this like baby pink. Oh yes, oh, I've done that battle. Don't do that. <laughs> Were they uh, receptive to your ideas, or is that something that you? I mean, you, you said it was a struggle. So, um, can you just talk about what that was like to try and get your ideas across and accepted in that environment? I think it was 
more of a challenge with some of the upper upper management. You know, at the time, I remember the CEO at the time, which wasn't Sally. Sally uh, came on later. Okay. Um, she was part of the board with Bear Stearns. Uh, they owned Camelback at that time. Hmm. And I remember him coming over. And I was this new, you know, entry-level designer. But they would come to me and ask me, like, oh, what do you think about this color? Or what do you think about this? And I would tell them exactly what I thought. I didn't really have any, like, you know, he's a CEO, you know, it doesn't matter. And I said, actually, I think that's going to be your bestseller. And he's like, you don't think it's too bright? You don't think it's too this? I said, no, not at all. So I was was pretty confident. It says a lot to, to, to be confident in your abilities and your opinions. Yeah, to trust yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah, I think there's that. I think women, um, the confidence factor is a huge thing. That's a big com- uh, conversation these days. And I think sometimes women think that they have to build this confidence um, from some other place. But really, I, I think, you know, we've talked about this, that it is about just trusting yourself and that, that uh, your opinions and your voice matter and that you have a valid perspective that needs to be heard. Uh, and it right. doesn't have to be anything other than who you are. And especially, you know, after having been there for a while and being able to get some of your ideas through, you know, hopefully you would be able to back that up with like, yeah, you can you see the sales are going up. You can see that there's an actual result from that. Right, right. And it's it's funny that you say that because one of the colors that there were so much doubting, and it's just a color of a bottle because I was helping to launch the bottle that's so successful now, which is, is it's so it's anytime I see the bottle or I see copycats of the bottle, I just remember those times like, wow, they, you know, they, they really created an iconic project and I was happy to be a part of it. And some of the, the best sellers were some of the colors that I fought for. And it's just, you know, it's, it makes me proud. Yeah. That really builds your confidence. And then you speak up a lot more again in the future. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Uh, I, and it's also how you present it too. I think some some women they they are confident in a certain way, and they're just kind of combative. And there's other women that you learn that as because you grow as a designer. And um, I'm trying to help the younger designers express themselves in a in the most appropriate way to get their point across. Yeah, that's important professionally. From Camelback, uh, I believe you went into your next job, another outdoor company, and doing bags still. So it sounds like you really enjoyed something about bags. Can you talk a little bit more about where you went next? Sure. Did you want me to talk about Sally at all? I know you guys mentioned that. Um, Sure, absolutely. Did she come into leadership uh, when you were there then? She wasn't there at the beginning, but she came in... She was a board member, and then at some point, it was announced that Sally was going to become the president, but she always had a strong presence. She was highly respected. She she had some strong and still has some strong opinions of products, and she would tell you good or bad. I remember some really bad reviews of product, and we would just be like so scared and, oh, my God, like put it away. Um, but, she, and she was, she also had a great gut for outdoor products and, and leading a team and she made things happen. She really did. She also struck me as somebody who really understands and appreciates and supports design and the creative process. She definitely does. And she definitely, uh, stands for empowering women. I remember when I was there, one time I was just walking the hallway, going from one room to the other. And she said, Leanna, and I said, Oh my God, that's Sally. What does she want with me? <laughs> so 
she she kind of put her arm around me and said, oh, hey, you know, there's an REI buyer uh, meeting and I, I really want you to attend that. So can you just stop what you're doing and just go to this meeting and I want I want you to provide your perspective. And I, I was just so honored and, and impressed that she sought me out for that and and she respected my opinion and my perspective. And it was, it was a little bit scary, but it was just like exhilarating at the same time. Yeah. I think that's one thing that, um, that, that, you know, when women are in leadership positions, they do that really well. I remember, um, the first time I attended, uh, the product underground at outdoor retailer, uh, with, uh, with take him, one of the camelback designers was, was talking. And I remember she was right there front and center, uh, attending the event and watching and supporting. And it just struck me like, oh, the head of this company is here supporting a design event. So I, yeah. I found that is very poignant. Yeah, that's, that is, that is great. She, she, uh, she definitely has the ability to do that. And she, she kind of takes uh, the time to, to get personal with you too. So, but Calabac has grown so much since I was there last. It's, it's, it's part, it's a lot due to her. Yeah, well, that tells you something. So your next, uh, your next step on the career ladder. So my next step on the career ladder was going from the going from Camelback to the North Face. And at the time I had been at Camelback three years, and it was kind of time I was itching for new things. I was itching to do things other than hydration. I remember interviewing with uh, Scott McGuire. And it was a great experience at the North Face. I, I was very happy to get that job. It's actually interesting that I, one of my first uh, experiences with North Face was right out of school. And Tay actually interviewed me back way back in the day for a um, contract position that he had open. But I happened at the time not to get that position. So it was interesting to me that they were appearing again. Yeah. And that in my path. Yeah, the people had changed. Take Tay him was there when I when I started, and mm-hmm. then so I got that job, and it was a it was a great uh, change, and uh, it was an interesting change for me to go from a smaller company like Camelback to a much larger company, the North Face, and le- having to learn all of the the you know I I was experienced with the different stages of the product cycle and all of that, but there was all of a sudden new departments and people that you had to hand things off to and learn the new procedures and systems. And after you get all of that under your belt, then, you know, you're able to, to really do your job and, and gain another level of confidence because you're I kind of have to show your, your, your stuff to this new team. And a big team, a very well-known team. Yeah, it was a big team. It was a big team. And what kind of products were you working on when you started there? Oh, uh, of course they gave me hydration. <laughs> can't get away from it (laughs) i was i was like no don't give me hydration again but uh that was one of the reasons why i think that i i appealed to them was my hydration experience and they were trying to gain more market share in that uh market and but i got to design sleeping bags uh running packs hydration duffel bags women's lifestyle bags hats uh gloves well, some of my favorite projects were the Sochi project that we worked on for the Olympics, and that was really cool to work with the apparel teams and the graphics teams. Yeah. Uh, also, like the women's lifestyle uh, projects. I always liked women, working on the women's projects that were there, um, redesigning the entire day pack line when I, before I left. 
That's a big project. That was a huge project <laughs> and a huge responsibility because that was the big chunk of of the money making for that the equipment department. Um, and then another really fun project was the uh, UTMB project because I got to oh, work yeah. really uh, hands on with the uh, UTMB marathon runners, ultra marathon runners, and uh, I got to go to Chamonix and crew for one of the athletes there, and that oh, was nice. by far just amazing experience. Yeah, that's the one thing you do get with working with the big companies uh, is you can get these great experiences working with athletes or these opportunities that may not come with the smaller companies. What was your role in the in the UTMB program? I was basically the sole designer and uh, working with all of the sponsored athletes and getting their feedback uh, because they didn't really have the pack that they were needing for the race and they were our sponsored athletes. And so they would be running with competitors products and they, they were just like, what's going on here? You guys aren't supporting us. And Mm. so it was fun. The good thing about that project was there was no, it was not going to be for sale. It was just for the athletes. And the idea was to then develop that same platform, but on with different fabrics um, so we got to, I got to work with um, different fabric manufacturers to, to create new fabrics that were just light and sturdy and just be super creative and innovative. Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, this experience that you have had and, and continue to have in um, being one of the few female designers out there in these fields. Like, What advice would you have for the women that you're mentoring, other women that are coming up in this, um, You know, drawing from the experiences that you've already gone through? I would tell them to definitely have confidence in your abilities. That's one thing. And that comes a lot with practice, 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 practice. Uh, definitely seek Seek a mentor in another woman if you can find one. What would you say to the men? <laughs> I mean, it's really true. It's like, what would you say to men? Because it, you know, men are wanting to hire women, uh, you know, or they want they want to work with women. It's not always men hiring women, but um, you know, the conversation isn't one sided. Yeah, you know, a lot of the it, it's funny. I like to see when I'm hiring when I when I'm hiring, I put myself on the other side, and I I when I was trying really difficult it's so hard to get a job and your first job and I would tell them you know uh, when they're working on the portfolio I would try to get them advice to you know put, make your own make up your own projects and and really work after what you want to go after so if you want to design backpacks then and you're not designing them right now make up your own and create it as a project and and really uh, show the employer all the different types of skills that you have yeah, just showing that you can do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I and I see some of these women too in, in different scenarios and meetings and such that you know the not wanting to speak up or or just not having confidence in their voice. Yes. So I, I try to demonstrate to them, you know, some of those things that you you hear um, about, like sit at the table, and those those things are ring true for sure. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Well, I guess we always hear people saying, put yourself out there. But yeah, having that seat at the table, like sitting up there. And uh, I've noticed that that's the confidence that men will just exude, whether they know something or not. Um, They're not afraid to make mistakes. They're not afraid to be wrong. 
um, they're not afraid to try in general. Yeah. And I think, you know, women in general have a tendency to kind of want to sit back, figure it out, see where there's a place or be invited. Right. So. Right. And all of, all of that is true. And it's, it's, you see that. And I, I, whenever I do witness that, I, I definitely uh, speak up and say, Hey, what do you think? Or, you know, let's, let's talk about your opinion and try to practice that with them. I wanted to switch gears here a little bit. I, I know so many companies these days are are starting to bring in, you know, outside design help, you know, either for, for special projects or for even large pieces, if not their entire lines. And I know, you know, from your background, you've worked on in-house teams, you've worked for outside design firms. Um, you know, from your experience, like, do you have a sense for, you know, what's, why that may be happening? Sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's a, it's, sometimes it's a mixture of expertise and sometimes it's just not having enough resources and having to execute a huge line of projects. Um, but I found that, you know, some design, some contractors are really outstanding and great and some take it to a certain point and then the in-house team has to finish up some of the work anyways. Uh, so as, as a contractor, I like to, or having that knowledge, do as much as I can to be as, to integrate myself with the team as much as I can, because you're an outsider and you don't really, you're not there for all the ins and outs of all the meetings and such. But um, I found that sometimes it's really helpful to just outsource the whole project and give it and, and really work back and forth. But be, be a, like, I've managed some of these consultants before as well. And it's, it's so helpful to just be commun- communicating all the time. And I've learned good practices of communication within these teams. I mean, it seems like sometimes, you know, working with outside design talent can be a, you know, a great thing they, they're bringing, you know, ideas that you never would have thought of to the table. Mm-hmm. And then other times, you know, is there, you know, there's something wrong in the communication or something. They're just not getting what, your needs are, uh, you know, from, from the in-house perspective, you know, and now that you're running your own design firm, you know, how do you kind of overcome those challenges? How do you, and how do you educate the clients that you're working with to get the best result out of the relationship? I would say it's creating a relationship with the team itself, I think really helps. So I've traveled with uh, some of my clients and it's, it's very helpful to just really learn not only what's going on there at the uh, the ins and outs of working at the corporation itself, uh, but also, you know, outside of that, what, you know, what is, what's going on, what, you know, meeting them and knowing them as, as friends and, and colleagues. And, and it's sometimes it's hard because you get a little bit too involved as far as like, wait, I'm not an in-house designer, so I can't take it to that level, but uh, be as much as a, their right-hand person as much as I can. Being a contractor, after you've also been an in-house person, you have an understanding for sure what it's like, like what you need to know and understand about companies right. and how they operate. Yeah, I mean, I but sometimes, for example, I, I like, as far as an example of getting too involved is, is you know, you start saying, oh, you, you propose some ideas that you can't really execute on because you're not there as far as like materials go, for example. They don't have the team set in place to really execute on some of your ideas or, and you just get a little frustrated because you're just like, Oh, I just, if I just had, if I was there, I could really execute on that. And that would be really help the project that I'm do, working on with right. you. 
Right. I mean, designers, you just, you have a, a, a big, you have a lot, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of, a lot of excitement about the things that we'd like to do. And it's hard to hold yourself back. Yeah. Um, I'd like to also shift gears a little bit. I'd like to talk about becoming a mom in the, in the professional world. Um, I think, you know, you and I, uh, we worked together at the North Face and I think we met actually while we were both pregnant. We were all kind of going through similar challenges as professionals. Um, what was it like for you? You became a mom of one and then two more shortly after <laughs> that, which just amazed me. But what was that experience like for you? Yeah. So after having my first and coming back, coming back from returning to leave is kind of a strange thing in itself. Like you're, you're, you're leaving a team, you're leaving your project. Someone else is finishing the projects that you are, are leaving behind. And then you come back and you see them putting the final finishing touches or seeing the samples and how they, they turned out and just, you know, cause you have such ownership over the projects that you're working on. And then you come back after having a child and that's such a, life-changing experience in itself so it's just it's all like a blur of oh I'm coming back to work and I just left my child at home and um Mm -hmm. I was I was really anxious to get back to work for with my first and coming back uh it was it was uh, quite a juggle it was commuting you know going to work and being really tired and taking breaks for um pumping and working with finding out what's going on with this project and that project and just being overwhelmed and, and then trying to execute at the same level that you were at when you left. Right. Right. Which is such a challenge uh, that you just all, all of a sudden have to turn it back on. And it was kind of like you come back and then here's, here's all your work and there's a little more. So then it was just learning the juggling act and learning the, the balancing act and, uh, coming home after commuting uh, for an hour, I had an hour commute back home, and bringing home the uh, the milk and transitioning from you know the lady, letting the nanny go home, and then your husband comes home, and then feeding the baby, and then putting the baby <laughs> to sleep, and then trying to either catch up on your work. It was just just quite a balancing act. So with one, it was tough, and but we managed. You know, you learn, and then you you get back into the habit, and you you know I even traveled. Uh, to Asia. So that was difficult too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. I, I did that as well. And, um, it's an interesting experience. It was, I, I remember with the, the experience that I said about going to Chamonix, France, and I was, I was pumping, I was pumping mm-hmm. and I had brought, actually, I decided to bring my family, uh, which was mm. a huge thing. So I brought, uh, my three month old son, cause I was just coming back from maternity leave and they had given me that or I was still on maternity leave actually. And they had given me the opportunity because that's the project that I had worked on. So I was my boss, Douglas uh, Davidson, called me and said, hey, you know, there's an opportunity for someone to go to Chamonix for the UTMB. And we, we thought that, you know, obviously that should be you if you want to go while you're on. I know you're on maternity leave, but we can make an exception. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to pass that opportunity up. And so I, I asked permission if I could bring my family. Obviously, they would pay for their own. But I remember <laughs> crewing for Hal and then coming back to the hotel and I'm like, okay, I got to go pump. I'll catch up with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> People don't know unless you're doing it. They Going just don't to know. Going the hotel at like 2 a.m. Because it was like it's an all-night race and pumping. 
and then going back to the race. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, my husband was just staring at me like, I can't believe I need to take video of this. This is just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like what you're doing right now is just amazing. It's all the details. That's yeah. the one thing. I, like suddenly I find that um, you, you have all these details before. And then as a new mom, the details grow exponentially. Uh, and then once you get used to them, I find that women who have gone through this process are suddenly much more succinct and efficient and are able to handle a lot of details in amazing ways. Um, I found that I didn't spin on things the way I used to. I didn't take time to overthink things. I made quicker decisions and got things done faster once I got used to having to do the balancing act. Right. And it, it, it's kind of funny that you see other people, you know, simmering over certain things or, or wasting time. And you're just like, God, you just like, <laughs> I have no time to waste. You're doing it. Like, I would go to work and, you know, have this a wanting to get things done mentality because, you know, I didn't have any time to waste. I wanted to get back to my family. Your priorities crystallize pretty, pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. It's such a life changing thing. But yeah, after you, uh, you know, you got the balancing act and I was successfully handling everything. And um, my husband is a true partner. And so that was also helpful. But after having going for my second child, at the time and then finding out that it was twins <laughs> the biggest surprise of my life um bawling my eyes out going how the heck am i going to do that mm, yeah. uh, not ready for that how am i going to afford it how am i going to continue to try to achieve my goals mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i think you had three uh, when you had them you had three children under the age of two at one yes, time, right? Did. At one time, because they were a year and uh, eight months apart. Because they tell you, you know, you're not going to get pregnant right away. So if you're planning <laughs> on the second, <laughs> but yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And it's funny. A lot of people, they always think of me when they go after their second. They're like, oh, I'm just praying it wasn't twins. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, so. how, how has that then shaped you as a professional and as, as a creative Having having three kids uh, and being, you know, to keep, trying to keep up your same standard level of working is is very very challenging, and it's it's kind of like you've said, made put things in perspective, and uh, you really have to really know what you want um, in what you're going after, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what's important and what's not. Absolutely, which I think actually makes you very valuable. I appreciate that. <laughs> you in particular, the right and people that I work with, they just, they just, oh, how do you do that? But uh, you know, in in some ways, it was really difficult to leave the North Face because uh, I loved my team, I loved what I was doing, um, but it got to be a little bit of of why am I doing this marathon? I mean, it became so much of a more difficult uh, stress and. Uh, it was like basically running a marathon and then never and never ending. I was seeking new challenges as well. I had kind of hit my plateau there. I was a senior designer. I had hit my goal and there was nothing really after that. There was no position um, that, you know, unless the director left. And I didn't really want to be the design director for equipment working on, you know, being responsible for tents, sleeping bags and all. I, I wanted my own group of uh, you know more things that i was passionate about 
Let's okay. talk about that a little bit. So what, what kinds of products are you most passionate about? So I'm most passionate now about products uh, that empower women. Most of these uh, companies that I'm familiar with in the active, in the athletics are there's mostly men. And, you know, they, they, the SKUs are mostly marketed to men. So I think I feel like I need to utilize my specialization and being a woman in equipment to empower and assist other women with the products that they use. I love that. <laughs> kind of says it all. We think we've covered so much ground in terms of, you know, like women and fashion and whatnot, but, uh, and that active and outdoor have been out there for a long time and women have been designing or been part of this for a long time, but it's really not the case. It's, it's actually newer than people think. And we still have a lot of ground and trailblazing to do. Wow, yeah. It's, it's, it was frustrating a little bit to be in some of these larger corporations and, and not, and, and the skews just, you know, being more heavily weighed to men. No, we don't have enough SKUs, so we're only going to have a, a, a men's size. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't have SKUs, we're only going to have a, a men's unisex color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, and you, you see the athletes really striving for it, but I guess, you know, we're, we're still, our numbers are, are lower. Yeah, they think the demand isn't there, um, but it's kind of a chicken or the egg sort of thing. You're right. <laughs> you know, well, I also think that, um, you know, to kind of wrap this up a bit, I wanted to ask about you uh, working and now running your own company. You don't have to have the marathon as much and you can drive a lot more of your projects. And have you found a lot more balance with your life and being a mom and a creative and being able to find uh, a little bit more of that calm happiness and that, and that creative work? Are you on your way? What would you say there? I would, I would definitely say, yeah, I'm definitely on my way. This year has been – so I left North Face uh, in December of 2014, mm-hmm. and I've been – my old company, Camelback, called me in February, and so I've been – they've been keeping me busy. Then I've also been working on my own projects, um, so to eventually – sell my own my own line of bags is my is my dream the way our lives are right now my husband and i this was the right decision for sure for me yeah that's great thank you so much for for taking the time to talk with us and being part of this thank you this podcast is a project of structure event the creative conference for the active outdoor and urban design industry For more information about the podcast or the conference, check out our website at StructureEvent.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes and tell your friends. Thanks for listening.